What's up, everybody? Dapper Dividends episode number 172 in the year of our Lord. We're joined by somebody that's making their very first appearance, very first appearance and appearance, both of those on the podcast. It's Harris. He is from New York by way of Puerto Rico and now residing, as I understand it, in Austin, Texas. Can you give everybody a big yeehaw? Yeehaw! What's up, everybody? Yes. What's up, everybody? Um, Russ, as always, thank you for having me on to the podcast. You know, we always have really good conversations. So why not put this out for the interwebs and find out, right? I love it. And since it's going to the interwebs, we got to know. We want to know. The people demand an answer. How do you wear your Stetson? My Stetson. Bow to the back? Oh, it's a cowboy hat. He's <sighs> not from Texas. He's not born, bred, and raised in Texas. I'm going to so... be, I'm a, I'm a fake Texan. I don't have the cowboy boots or the hats. Um, Or actually, in Austin, if you're, you know, you're frosty, if you have a, any long gear, uh, longhorn gear, I don't even have that. So I'm kind of a fake person <laughs> right now, to be honest. You get the pass. We'll give you a pass. I will ask you one thing then to comment on. How about Zeke being out of big D for everybody? Give us 30 seconds. We'll jump right back into it. How are the people taking it there with Zeke Elliott, Cowboys running back? no longer going to be a cowboy um honestly it's actually more of a positive sensation because i'm gonna like we could tie this into investing you you're bag holding you're bag holding something and you have to figure out when to cut it unfortunately his salary was just not sustainable for the team anymore and you know last year was pretty decent but it's time to you know when you have that bad investment it's time to cut the thing and Cut it off. Not saying that he was a bad investment, but you just got to know when to cut it off. And it was just that time. Now you just cut out a bad investment. Did you not? Well, for you, it turned out well, right? You just uh, got rid of a position that everybody loves to talk about. <laughs> yes. So Intel, I actually sold it for a profit. So yeah. let me give you a disclosure, you guys here. Um, I started doing my portfolio uh, back in May, 2022. I got in after a lot of stuff was beaten down. So I credit that as to why I was positive on Intel. I bought it. My average is like 26 bucks on it. So I'm, I feel fortunate about it. And I sold it about, about a nine and a half percent gain on it. And the reason why I sold it was from the rebalancing and SCHD Broadcom text instruments are really good allocation on there as well. On QQQM for me, I have Broadcom exposure and I thought to myself, I can live with that for semis. So Intel became expendable. I sold that and moved it all to SCHD. Dude, you are one of the very few people that I've talked to that actually has a profit on Intel. So kudos on that. I, I Looking over my portfolio, two of the biggest drags, actually three, oddly enough, of the biggest drags are AT&T and then Verizon and Intel. And it's crazy because I went heavy into those because everybody says those are just dividend darlings. You know, you got to have those companies. And I like what you said, man. Yeah, you, you've got exposure to semis. And that's the beauty of ETFs. If you don't understand it or, you know, you can uh, you can invest in that. I have the second question and you're not going to know it then. I was going to ask you when you wear your shotgun chaps, do you have zippers or not? But um, since you didn't even know what a Stetson is. You'll never God. catch me wearing any kind of chaps. So I'm going to that's that's the answer to that. <laughs> you and me both. And obviously I'm having a little bit of fun because I know we have people that listen from Texas and it's just a different culture and lifestyle that I'm not familiar with and accustomed to. When I was in the Navy, it was kind of funny when we would pull into a port 
and go out on port call, then you got to wear your civvies, your civilian clothes. And it was the craziest thing because you would have like like preppy dudes and then you would have your cholos and then you would have the guys from Montana. Uh, I remember one of the guys I used to hang out with uh, just would wear the big Stetson and a big belt buckle. And I used to tease him and be like, dude, can I borrow your belt buckle for Thanksgiving dinner? And we would just, we would goof around with each other like that. But I, I didn't get it. A kid from Chicago, not used to seeing big belt buckles and boots and big hats. A lot, a lot, a lot of famous stories here in Austin for all that stuff. I did want to point out one little thing that caught my eye in the news was for the first time, the very first time since 2012, U.S. housing prices fell. And the headline to that was the median price for U.S. existing homes fell point. It's only... 0.2% in February from a year earlier to $363,000. If you want to read that, I'll have a link to it in the show notes below. You guys, when did you move to Austin? So for me, I moved to Austin in 2019. I I came here solo. Um, Essentially, I was living in Orlando, Florida at the time. And I was at that point in my life where nothing was going right as far as career-wise and I needed a change and I gave my roommate a 60 day notice saying, Hey guys, I'm going to go, I'm going to go bounce to Austin. I'm going to go try something out and see how this goes. Yeah. And that's, that was literally the reason why I decided to move to Austin. Is I had some friends over here that talked it up really high, but also the taxes are the same as in Florida. So I feel like that would have been just a very smooth transition. And I came out here. I had in my goal in my mind, I wanted to get into the insurance industry really bad. I didn't know how I was going to do it. I was going to figure out a way. And within three months of living here, I got my, I got a job in the insurance industry. I'm still at that job. And now I'm building up a solid career and very promising career. I love to hear that. Um, we were taught, we won't mention figures, names or anything, but you got some good stuff potentially coming your way. So positive vibes toward that, man. I'm confident you're going to get it. I appreciate it. And if we, if we do, we're all going to go into Ryan and do the craziest dividend happy hour of all time. So Ryan, oh, dude, <laughs> I'll be there. I'll be there with bells and my Stetson on and my zippered shotgun chaps just because I want to be a little different. Uh, I thought we were, you know, you're not a cowboy. I'm not a cowboy. But we did talk a little bit about the Dallas Cowboys. And speaking of, I don't know how to, t- I have no idea how to tie that in. So we'll just do a really rough segue into the main topic of the video here is about what, you know, I put dividend dilemma. And on Twitter, I have a poll and it's almost 50-50 about what's more important, you total return or dividend income. And I was kind of surprised how many people don't really focus on div- on total return because dividends are included in that total return. And it just goes to show how just wide the investing world is and everybody has their own thing they're doing, their own things that they're comfortable with. And you know, you, you've heard me say, right, that I've Dude, I keep evolving. I feel like every week I'm just new information, just things that feel right. Always second guessing, questioning beliefs that are held. Absolutely. And I I can relate to that as well. Um, Obviously, my time as like me doing handling my investments is, you know, it's almost a year now. But there's been times throughout this whole process of me doing my podcast and my my learning that things that I thought I would have never done. I started doing my own diligence and research. I said, this actually makes more sense for me. And I talked to you about this is when, obviously, I love Coke. I love Pepsi. I love Costco. I love all those companies. But with what I'm able to contribute right now, 
it was frustrating for me that I'm not able to build out these positions quicker. And I found it more useful to get go the XLP and the ETF route to be able to still get all the companies that I love, but make it all into one and actually build it out. And for my own psyche, it's been working out for me where now I'm starting to see like full positions on almost everything and multiple shares with multiple positions. So it's been, for me, it's worked out. But I know for some people, they may look at that. It's like, I'd rather own the individual. There is no right or wrong answer. It just depends on what, works for you because what works for me may not work for you and vice versa. Well, I, I would say the wrong answer is probably if you lose money, that, that might be the wrong answer, unless you're yeah. some kind of weird masochist to fight. Dude, they have a, do you remember that? They had those, uh, FinDom, it was called, I read an article. It, I, well, I, I guess I preface that because I don't want people to think I'm into some weird stuff, but <laughs> they have financial dominatrixes that will humiliate you about your finances. And that's an interesting thing now that my brain, I got the, the gears grinding and turning up there. Like I didn't know about the term, but I have heard of stories of people with like high balance, like high balance credit cards. They purposely love to get insulted and see the other person make all these lavish purchases on their credit card. If that's what you're into, Godspeed, you know? Exactly, exactly. And you're allowed to change. You are allowed to change your course of action because if you have new information and the facts change for you, then you absolutely are allowed to change what you do. And it's it's just at the end of the day, just whatever feels right and whatever's working for you. For those of you watching and listening, that would be my little bit of, of wisdom for that. We'll tie that into uh, j Powell. Right. So yeah, he tanked the markets. I, I know Janet Yellen, right. She was speaking mm -hmm. at the same time and said that the FDIC might not be uh, insuring all the uninsured accounts now, which mm -hmm. is, I think that's kind of what did it. But honestly, with the REITs getting hit hard, we were just talking before we came on about realty income now being under 60 bucks, that dividend yield is north of 5%. I think it's just overdone. I think there's a fantastic quote by Warren Buffett where he, and I, I actually tweeted this out today because I like to tweet out things that I'm thinking that's helping me and could possibly help you all, all y'all out there as well. Uh, he said, time is the friend of the wonderful company and the enemy of the mediocre company, something to that effect, give or take. But it just goes to tell you that over time, these fantastic solid companies are going to be okay. You know, you got to buy them through thick and thin, especially through thin, because that's when like life-changing gains can happen. And you just can't follow the crowd blindly and just sell because everybody's panic selling and I I love it and it it can be a little frustrating right do you feel the same thing I do that when you when I bought some realty income at 6125 yesterday and then market closed today it's under 60 bucks I'm not upset with it do, do you ever feel that like not necessarily like upset however though I do not tie my buys I know that every two weeks, every Wednesday, this happened to be the Wednesday where I made my contributions. I always usually do them um, right when market opens. Today, though, it's like, you know what? I'm going to change it up. I'm going to wait until they make the announcement. And then yeah. after they did the rate hike announcement, I waited for like an hour and a half. It's like everything was pretty linear. It's like, all right, let me just go ahead and do it. And then I made my buys. Of course, five minutes before the market closed, <laughs> and that's like that's why i do not try to time things it pisses me off so i just rather 
look, just make it a pattern. This is when I'm going to do it. Don't overthink it. Do Set, do it, and that's it. Just be disciplined about it. Because then you wait two days and then, oh, this is going to go down. Now it's up 5% and you just missed out on an opportunity because you got greedy. Yeah, and it's Mr. Market, right? Ben Graham's Mr. Market, <laughs> just a lunatic. You don't have to buy, but every single day, this is the fun thing. Every single day you have somebody offering you a buy sell and a a, a buy price and a sell price mm-hmm. and you don't you don't have to do anything. You can literally just sit on your hands until it gets to a point mm-hmm. where you're like, yeah, I like this. And I, I guess upset was the wrong word, but I would have loved to have bought realty income under 60 bucks. Oh, of course. But I, I great. plan no, on holding but... them for a long time, you know. It's still the same solid company. It, to me, when we talk about it, the first thing we always talk about, did the story change of why we hold this? No. Then yippee, we're going to get a discount. If it changes, okay, now we need to just do a little more homework and see what's going on. Exactly. Exactly. And like Intel, again, I mean, that's one where I think a thesis changed. Uh, a lot of people think AT&T. I think they changed for the better. You know, I I still, maybe they're like my broke back mountain company. I know I say yeah. 3M, but yeah. I just can't sell AT&T. And I'm thinking about when I eventually do get back to even or close to it, I, I may. But yeah, it, dude, it was that chart, right? If you look at AT&T, Verizon, and T-Mobile, total return, meaning in reinvesting <laughs> dividends, T-Mobile does not, never has paid a dividend. They crush <laughs> wasn't it, wasn't it like a wasn't it like a like three to five hundred percent something ridiculous like that for T-Mobile? I, I think it might have. I think they might have been two eighty something, pushing three hundred percent, and like eight if, over. I think ten years, mm-hmm. the last ten years, and AT and T and Verizon were just twenty five, thirty percent, something just ridiculously low. Mm-hmm. And it just goes to show, man. Just uh, so, what what is your take on that? I guess we can spin it right into the the topic there. I mean. Oh, by the way, how, how are you liking the book? You're reading um, Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel, right? Got it right here. Um, so far, really good. I what, I've, what I personally like about the book, I'm making myself be better about reading. I've never been a reader. This is, some, this, is, this is like my personal project for this year. I like that you can read this book in any chapter and you, you, can, you can read it based off how you want to do it, which is what I like. They're kind of like short stories. But chapter three is the one that so far has impacted me the most, which it talks about when is enough, you know, comparing yourself to others as far as like, yeah. oh, that chapter alone and the examples they used on greed, I re- I had to go and restart that chapter and reread it again of how good it was. I'm going to have to read that again. I, I got it from the library and this can be the problem sometimes with library books is you don't remember everything. You remember a lot of the, I don't know the main, the main points of it, but exactly dude knowing when what is enough i think that is so so clever to just to think about for for all you watching and listening and your own journeys is sitting down and and knowing exactly what you want so you know when you've hit enough because otherwise you could just keep working and wasting away precious valuable time that will never get back right they always say that the most uh, renewable resource is money, but the least renewable resource, the most finite is time. I mean, when you're out and, of time, dude, that's it. And to be honest, I'm going to quote your book really quick. Uh, one of my favorite quote, go. one of my favorite quotes from that book is we all know our birth date. We do not know our death date. And uh, yeah. I, think, I think about that pretty frequently. Yeah. That's, 
you know, it's funny. I was just talking to my wife about that because we're mm-hmm. going to Ireland. And I actually was second guessing this week because it's starting to get up there. Now, remember, we had been saving almost three years and we paid for our flights and a couple of hotels. We got credit card points that we're using. But, dude, it's, you know, with rental car and I'm kind of doing the numbers in my head like, OK, food. And, you know, because there's four of us going, my, my wife yeah. and I and my two teenage daughters. So mm-hmm. I'm thinking like this could be somewhere around like eight, nine grand when we're all said and done. I struggle with that, you know, because I'm like, dude, I could have invested that if I compounded the rule of 72. Like that would become... But then I'm like, I'm going to be dead yeah. one day. We're all going to be dead. And we're literally making, investing in a memory with money after I've saved. Like I'm not avoiding putting money away in, into uh, our future endeavors. Do you know, does that make sense? Do you ever think about that? It does because we, we're actually going to, we're going to do a little bit of traveling here in <laughs> September. Uh, we're going to go to Mexico. Before me, I would have been like, same thought process, the money and all this and but then it comes down to me you know me and my spouse we're in our low 30s right now it comes to like balancing out the importance of being financially responsible but having that fun because you 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 never know what tomorrow is going to bring <laughs> and you still need to build those memories and cherish those and no dividend or no stock split or no a special special dividend is going to be able to give me what that trip is going to give me time with my wife. And you can think of it another way too, is like the memory dividends, right? That we're creating. Mm-hmm. As I was pulling up yesterday, uh, a neighbor was helping their elderly mother, probably in her late 80s, early 90s. You had to use a walker. Could you know, was having real trouble mm-hmm. making it just from the car to the to the front of the house. And I, I told my wife, I'm like that old woman there could be worth have a net worth of a billion dollars and what is it gonna what good is it gonna do or what all she wants to do is like walk from the car to the house and be like i'm tired i need to sit down now she would probably give 500 million dollars to be what i am 45 again it's just a, a lot of psychology that goes into what we do and why we're doing it and dude knowing that why like knowing why you're doing something is huge to sticking with it and letting that be your north star i think that's served me really well and it's gotten me through some pretty garbage days at work and when I didn't want to go and it's cold out and dark, but I know it's a means to an end. Interesting thing that we're talking about, the the macro economy, and with Ari Gutman, I've talked about this, is that he loves macro and I pay attention, but I try not to let it influence for me, my investing decisions too much, just because yeah, you can think that some macro shift is happening and the stock market's going to respond this way and prices are going to go down. But then at the end of the day, isn't that really just timing the market? It can be. I mean, obviously, if somebody's giving you a tool and if it's looking at a chart or looking at these trends, it's a tool. And you can look at it and see, make your own assumption to it. I personally don't really look at my uh, macros that much. I keep it as simple as possible, which is... My rules in investing is ETF is highest weighted uh, across the board. Right now, I'm at about 50%. The goal is to get that between 60 to 70. I buy, if I'm going to buy the individual company, do I use it in my everyday? Do I understand the business? And obviously, I do look at, we do have to look at the the, the historical like five, 10 year numbers, but I make sure to understand where are we going in the future? And the best way to explain that is, I'm trying, trying to think of a stock right now, or like look. 
hell, hell, look at Intel 20 years ago. And look at it now. I think Intel was actually, it was probably worth way more 20 years ago than it is right now. Take that with the grain of salt when you're looking at the past. But obviously, five-year CAGR, you know, uh, stock is, or is, the, is the total amount of shares going down. It's important to know that, but you have to understand the future of the business. I'll use an example of something in my portfolio where people look at me really weird. And we've talked briefly about this as Best Buy. Yeah. People think of it as the brick and mortar store. But what people don't understand is on the background of Best Buy, they are very competitive with Amazon. With um, at Best Buy, you can price match anything on Amazon as long as the exact same item color They'll price match it. Also, Best Buy is doing all this, uh, all their online for their online front. They've actually been increasing sales on the online front. And now for your washers and dryers and the refrigerators, that's something I will never be able to go buy online. I need to go see it in person. Sears doesn't exist anymore. That's where I, that, I mean, if I was going back 20 years ago, that's where me and my family would have gone to done this. I mean, you can get some stuff at Home Depot and Lowe's. So that's an option, but. Best Buy is my option to do that kind of stuff. So I think also with Best Buy, I just I've I've been a consumer for Best Buy since I was a teenager. So <laughs> the little, I think that's kind of the bias there. But they people think of it just a brick and mortar store, but they're not, and they're doing a really good job getting these sales and getting this out into all these other ways to keep themselves relevant. You know, I love that you said that, and it just goes to show you need to understand a business, and mm -hmm. it really it's why I'm going to hold Intel until I can get to that point. But that was hard for me to to know that I had been buying it and buying a lot of it and saying, you know, I'm betting on the jockey and not the horse. I don't even understand anything about the horse, quite honestly. I mean, I can look at the numbers, the what they ran, but that's the thing about the numbers, the problems with them, right? You need to give the numbers context. And ultimately, the numbers tell us where a business has been, not where it's going. So I, and, and that's all personal preference. That's why Charlie Munger has said that if you have a lousy business with a really bright future, we'll miss that every single time because they're not going to take a gamble because of the past, how the bad it was for a business. And it's just so true, man. Like the most important numbers for a business is the future. And unfortunately, as far as I know, nobody knows how to predict the future we can guess yeah. but i should figure that out man that that would be a really good money making idea they always talk about i you know tell my kids like what's a problem that people have that you could solve <laughs> there's one knowing the future you would yes. make a lot of money the only the only way is we got to make an infomercial for that and you have to show uh russ in black and white and you do something and you just it just go fumbles it and you start getting upset like the old 90s infomercials oh, like like God, like I the one that. about the the court the corded phones and then they drop <laughs> it in the soup and then it splashes on them and they get this really awkward headset and they're like that'd be great to do one of those <laughs> I laugh because I loved those when they would play the late night infomercials, like the husband's like in the blinds. He's like, isn't your husband? It's like tangled up in the trying to open the curtains. It's like, come on, <laughs> there would be black and white and the cameras all off kilter. But, but yeah, so I had a stat here. I want to uh, get out. They always say you have to spend time in the market. Time in the market is just so important. You don't know when those big days are going to be those big up days. What if you've the 10 best days. So if you missed the market's 10 best days over the past 30 years, your returns would have been cut in half and missing the best 30 days would have reduced your returns by an astonishing 83%. And dude, that 
when I read that, it's like, this is why I'm not trying to time the market because it's just all in the short term, it's driven by emotions. And it's just, I find solace in that Buffett quote, dude, if you have a good business and you know, it's not going to be wiped out by whatever macro thing is going on, then you just buy more. That's it. It Just, you just buy more when it's cheap and it's, it's hard to do though, right? It's hard to do because people want to sell, but you actually need to be doing the opposite and buying when everybody's selling and everything's freaking red and bloody in the market. I mean, I'm going to put it this way. Obviously I have my tax, I have my taxable and then I have my Roth. Um, my Roth, I started managing it on my own in October. I used to have it with like a, a mutual fund through another institution. And I just decided that I want to be involved with it. So I, you know, did, did the IRA transfer and then started that portfolio on there. That entire portfolio is red and it's just five holdings. It's just SCHD, Realty Income, VTI. Actually, VTI, I think is break even. Uh, TD, which not, it's it's pretty low right now. And then Vici. But when I see that, I'm not, well, I'm not 50, I'm nowhere near 59 and a half. I don't need that money right now. Yep. I get excited because now those $100 contributions I make every two weeks is going to stretch me out more by buying more shares and buying more income and getting that opportunity to let some more time compounding and time happen. So none of those businesses have changed for me or none of those ETFs have changed. And it just gets me more excited. I'm going to be able to buy the same thing at a discount. It's like when you go to the supermarket and you know you have to buy Clorox wipes, they have a buy one, get one free today. Like that's a surprise. <laughs> I'm excited. Same concept. It's it just focus on the business, you know, for, for all you guys and girls and gals watching and listening. It's all about the business. Remember, it's not a stock market. It's a market of stocks. It's a market of businesses. And every business is somewhat different from the next. I wouldn't say any of them are identical. You have same, you know, Target and Walmart are similar, but even look at that. Target and Walmart, two pretty different businesses, even down to the smell. Have you noticed the smell between Walmart and Target? And it's the same in every store as well as Walgreens and Best Buy, I think. How Best, do they yes. do that? They, 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 they got to have some type of, it, I mean. crazy. It's crazy, dude. When I was in, so I used to go to Walgreens with my grandfather as a kid. And it just always has that Walgreens smell. And when we go to Florida or wherever and we run into a Walgreens, I, I swear to God, I'm, I'm kidding again. Like it's the same exact smell. No. I need answers and I need it now. Agreed. And then right now. I mean, I know we're going to be talking about here, Patty versus total returns. It doesn't bother me now, but the one thing that gets me motivated is actually seeing yield versus yield on cost. And now it's like, let's get that yield on cost lower. And that's what gets me excited, you know, for me and to kind of go into that topic there, Patty versus total returns. I need to look at total return. And we can use the best example for this. A good example is AT&T. Let's say right now oh my patty and eight i get twenty five hundred dollars a year from at&t oh how how's your performance over the last eight years oh i'm down about 30 percent on it still as a whole that doesn't sit well with me if it was to be let's say if like on actual share appreciation and let's say it's flat but still you're getting the you know the income oh you're still you're still making a profit technically on it which you know that's more passable but you have to have both in my opinion patty serves its purpose it helps you it helps keep you motivated and it it helps you push that extra and i'm going to quote here um lanny from the dividend diplomats he yeah, i got to talk to him i got to talk to him 
I would love to have a, a chat with him. He's such a huge wrestling nerd. I know we'll, we'll probably end up just talking about wrestling instead of investing, but he'll post all these little goals and all these little things like I'm pushing here to buy one extra share, push this, push this. And yeah. I watch the stuff he posts and it, it helps keep me motivated because he's out here doing everything he can to add every single dollar to the future. And that's where I think Patty does help. It shouldn't be everything. Like, don't invest in something just for Patty. You need to look at the total return. Patty does help motivate you and to keep building off of that. So that's what I think about that. Yeah, so you can see this right here now, right? Ooh, is this the AT&T so, Verizon T-Mobile comparison? Yeah, so we're, we're going to zoom out 10 years, and we're going to go total return. So 10 years, total return. We've got Verizon has a 20% total return. This is dividends dividends reinvested. S&P 500, 150%. AT&T, 18%, and T-Mobile, 679% total freaking return. So this is kind of funny where I, this is what the one that really gets me thinking that imagine 10 years ago, just buying Verizon and AT&T and reinvesting all the dividends and, and it's just, and then T-Mobile like, well, they don't pay a dividend. Yeah, well, you'd have a hell of a lot more money. So this is the, that's the one that really, um, really got me thinking about yeah. try i guess the holy grail would be total return that's really good and a really nice dividend patty dividend yeah. return hell right now since we talked about t-mobile let's talk about i'm gonna it's a little bit off there but i'm gonna throw this out there wait we talk about total return um i'm not sure you saw the news t-mobile just acquired mint mobile which is owned yeah. by, by uh ryan reynolds this yep. is the second business that ryan reynolds has invested and sold for like major profit i think he got like 400 mil from this deal from like selling it to t-mobile and i think he had like a gin or something that he got the name to it and then sold it for a profit you know what i think we need to follow ryan reynolds steps and do what he's doing because his, his his total return off his investments is amazing yeah, let's, get, and... let's get ryan reynolds on the podcast <laughs> God, I wish I could, man. Are you kidding? We'll contact them. I have a feeling it may be too early in the game right now. But yeah, and and I think T-Mobile expects Mint Mobile to be accretive to the bottom line like right away. So that's crazy when you can just buy a company, it's automatically going to filter into the bottom line. I, I think it's yeah. fantastic. Good for him. It's a scary thing to say. And, you know, I'm going to be looking. I, I was talking with... Uh, Caitlin from the the live chats she'll KC. pop in there. KC, she was showing the uh, the small caps how the top performing stocks over the last five years the the one hundred best. I don't have the number, but I think it might have been forty seven of them were small caps. And it's we were because we were talking about how it's it's difficult to find a really good idea and how literally like nine out of ten ideas won't pass the the hurdle you set for it. It just goes to show that I've done it. I've ruled out companies that don't pay a dividend probably to a fault. And it's a good thing that <laughs> with my money that I have like in, in my, my IRA with my mm -hmm. work that a good chunk of it is in the growth stocks. I cannot invest. I mentally, I cannot invest something. I get some, a little bit of a kickback on it, but that's where VOO, VTI and QQQM for me fill that need i still get that exposure and there's a little bit of a kickback and for me with tech stocks i i don't i don't like to see the up and down like the crazy ups and the crazy down in it so that just stabilizes it for me with the risk and i'm gonna do i'm gonna do a video one one time i'm gonna it's gonna take a minute to put together but in my the essays of warren buffett from one of his shareholder letters he had a really 
really great example as if him and I own a business. And in scenario one, we wanted to pay ourselves dividends from the business. And then in scenario two, where we reinvested all dividends, but we sold the same amount of shares as the dividends we wanted every year. And at the end of it, it was substantial how the dividend uh, paying dividends was not as good of an option because that money is just coming to us. It's not reinvesting back into the business. Do you know what I mean? So it's a really interesting thought and it just, it's a hard conversation to have because like I said, passive income is a hell of a drug and I love seeing the dividends come in. It gives me something to keep buying and building on. And I, I got to wrap my head around it because I don't like the idea of having to sell shares of something when I need money. You know, I'd, I'd, what do they say? Live, live off the interest and never touch the principal. Yes. Um, I don't remember the exact stat of it. This is like one of the very few financial stories or financial facts my father ever told me. Um, I forgot what it was, the exact number, but it told me if Mike Tyson would have put a certain percentage of his winnings into just like a three or 4% savings account, he could have spent a certain amount of every year for 20 years and still have this much. I forgot. I don't remember the exact yeah. number, but it's something ridiculous. And if you just got to, you know, just be smart with it. I could just go on and on and on, but I don't know. <laughs> we can, no, we can do that. Um, I guess here are some other thoughts. We talked about total return. I look more at total return compared to Patty, but they both have functionality in my life. They, they each have its purpose. Um, J-Pow, I'm glad that they did do the 20, at least a 0.25%. If they would have done a zero, I think that would have made the market tank. If they would have done a 50, that would have done a tank. Honestly, no matter what, I feel like there's a tank, but I feel like 25 was what they're supposed to do. Um, We're not going to see any decreases this year. That's expected. And the first podcast I did for this year, I expect this to be a back-to-back negative S&P year. So far, it's trending that way. And Mm -hmm. hopefully that's the case because I'm in the accumulation phase of my investing journey and let's get some more stuff. Absolutely, man. And I'll just end it on your uh, your point that it's a crazy thing with the interest rates and they, they know that. <laughs> so if they were to pivot or they were to pause, then it's there. It's almost as if they're admitting, well, we've done it. The mar- <laughs> the economy's broken. Something is wrong. So now we need to, you know, st- stop and pivot because it's going to get really bad. But then again, if they keep raising rates, it's going to be harder for a lot of businesses to function when they have to pay more for the money that they're borrowing. So, but when we, we have no control over it, the only thing we can control is what we buy or sell quite honestly. And on what we put in our heads, right? The skills that we're loading, downloading into our brains into our noggins. You know what? I'm going to, I'm going to use one of your quotes here and putting stuff to your ear holes. Same thing, you know? (laughs) Oh, everybody. We we love it. And we thank you for letting us come into your ear holes. And we appreciate that. And before we get out of here, I got to ask you what if somebody were to what what do they say? Wander yonder down, wander down into Austin, Aston. What uh, what is one thing that you would recommend that they do in Austin, Texas? Tejas. Ooh. So I'm going to tell I'm going to tell you all a little bit of a nice secret. I have to double check to see if this is still there. And I think it is. There's this guy named Vince who in his backyard has built a structure that took him 20, 20 or 30 years to build. You, This guy built a structure that you can climb on that is engineer approved. And he literally built this by his hand in his backyard. And you can pay a donation to go 
do the whole experience. Our our city motto is keep Austin weird. That's one of the weirdest but coolest yeah. things I've ever. It's the continual junk. It's one of the coolest things I've ever done. I promise that it's not sketch. The guy's super nice and he really goes over. He has this little hut right next to it where he has progress photos from the last 30 years and he talks about how, what everything took and you know all the time he put into it and what it is the entire thing is made out of donations from people giving trash to him so you'll literally go in you'll see an, a 1960s phone on the wall but then right next to it you have a cabbage patch kid and then a teenage mutant ninja turtle and there's like a hulk hogan plushie but it's all a structure that is actually safe and engineer approved and you can climb up it and explore it and it's like a maze do it. Well, there you go. Now you have something you can compete with and and build better and trashier than that. It's your homage to waste management, your favorite trash stock. So, all right. Well, what do you? Where do you people follow you? Drop your whatever you want to drop into their ear holes. So absolutely. Um, I'm on Instagram at the one penny uh, one penny at a time podcast. Twitter, you can find me at one penny podcast. Um, I am on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever your pla- your podcast provider is. You can find me uh, one penny at a time. It's, pr- it's basically my diary about my journey, my journey into investing, my thoughts, and just sharing what I've been going through. And hopefully you get to join me along. Nice. And I will have a link to all that in the show notes and description, wherever you're watching this. And once again, thank you, Harris, for coming on the podcast for your first time. Big round of applause. There's going in the background there. You can't hear it and I can't hear it, but it's going to be there. Hey, again, Russ, I always appreciate it. You know, we always appreciate it anytime we get to have a conversation, whether it's on a stream, whether it's on Ryan's stream, whether it's your stream, because we've done streams, your streams before, my podcast or even just us having text messages back and forth. I appreciate every every time we get to get to connect. So Absolutely, buddy. All right, for everybody watching, we will see you in the next episode. So long, everybody. <laughs>